bad news for the brothers and sisters that are sitting by some of them is it's not complete yet. So you're, you know, you're still in the danger zone. But we're praying. Amen. Uh, like Brother Lorenzo was saying uh, yesterday, we we spent most of the day here um, setting up these panels and you could hear a traumatic difference uh, of uh, sound when it comes to uh, the decibels, some of the loudness of what um, what it was what it was in here with the echoing was pretty bad, especially in specific areas. <clears throat> we feel we feel we feel really bad for certain brothers and sisters that have been having to sit in certain areas. Uh, we, we're more compassionate to 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 you now more than ever. Amen. Uh, but. The Lord is uh, the Lord is doing good things, and and we got to keep on praying that God can keep on giving us wisdom. Amen. Uh, like I mentioned on Wednesday, our ministry is very important, brothers and sisters, and we must uh, we must take it that serious when it comes to what we do and and how we uh, manage it, and and uh, and and not only just uh, enjoy a title, but um, but meditate on what God has called you to do, uh, and I believe that. As the church evolves and grows, uh, and grows together, uh, God continues to allow us to see these things. Um, a, a continuation from Wednesday's uh, popular message I heard yesterday was very popular with a lot of brothers. Um, I, I've been given special titles now, of machine gun preacher. I think is maybe one of them called. But uh, you know. And and I'm sure, all kidding aside, Brother Lorenzo um, remembers growing up, and other brothers remember growing up in this church, and the importance for the church to to stay active, uh, to stay active not only in what we did yesterday. That's that's a good sign of it, and God bless all the brothers and uh, and sisters that were praying and, and active in it, but also staying active daily when we're here, um, not waiting for somebody to do something but asking if, if there can be involvement in it. Because if the church is going to evolve and grow, then we must evolve and grow. Amen? The Word must evolve and grow in us. Uh, and that's what's so important, is that if a seed is being preached, if a seed is being planted, then a seed must show fruit. And, 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 and that's the key, is, is, the, is the fruit. That's the key, is the the seed growing uh and sometimes we we see and and just nature shows us this that seeds don't don't birth themselves don't grow don't activate themselves um and for whatever reasons it could be it could be the ground it could be no rain it, we 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 had a message on that uh and sometimes it's because like some of the messages that we've heard we're going through something that we're not even listening to the word. You're going through something that you don't even listen to the word. You're distracted by what you're going through. You came here distracted. You came here not prepared, not willing to receive from God. Because like a message that was brought, you know, the pain's louder than what you can hear, what you're going through. And I think it's important for us, brothers and sisters, to to look uh, at the messages that we've been receiving here because the messages that we receive are foretelling of things that we're going to go through. 
you got to hear what I'm saying in this. The, this is stuff that's practical. For some of you brothers and sisters that have experienced this in your lives and you remember a message that got you through something, you should be praising God. You should be thankful, but look at us sometimes. We're like, well, yeah, okay. Some of you, it got you through hell, a message from the past. And we don't appreciate God sending down this word to us. We should value it. We should cherish it. Some of us have saved marriages. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to here this morning, but hopefully it's a church that wants to wake up. Some of it has saved our families, our children, and yet we nonchalantly just say, yeah, okay. We must receive it and cherish it, and, 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 and it's precious to us, this word that God sends. Because... We are living in times, brothers and sisters, where the devil is getting current and deceiving us. He wants to deceive you more than ever with sentiments, with itchy ears, with murmuring. Sometimes when we're not prepared here, and it sounds really quiet in here now, more than ever, these panels, these darn panels, take them down. I loved hearing myself my own echo. Pastor probably thought he was getting more amen when he said amen. And he would hear amen, 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 amen. So we got to be a church that's alive, that's ready, that's willing, because this world isn't waiting for us to realize that there's a true living God. This world isn't waiting to realize for us to realize it, that God is real in us. We've got to realize this. And impact the world. And I say this so confidently. I say this so arrogantly with the kids in here, with the youth in here, so they can realize wherever they go that we serve a mighty God. Sometimes as parents, we're not good examples even when our kids are here. And we have to be. We have to be willing to push forward in difficult times. Our kids are relying on it. Like I mentioned on Wednesday, what if, what if my dad would have listened to his voice and when, that, when, when he would have said, oh, all oh, oh, that church, all oh, oh, that pastor up there, oh, they're probably taking the money, they're doing all this stuff. Where would I have been at if he would have listened to that voice instead of pushing forward and saying, you know what, devil, I'm not going to listen to you. Would I have lost it all? I don't know who God's talking to. You see, I come up here and I'm blank. And I say, God, guide my heart. Because if there's a need here, if there's someone here that's desiring this, there's somebody barely holding on to something here, their faith. And I'm sore and I, and I hurt and, 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 and I got blister. I got a blister. I got a blister right here. I know I'm not the only one that's, that's hurting right now. I know the A-team. A-team, hermano Carlos, hermano Raul. Had a, they had a little competition going on here. Man, brother Carlos and Raul. But you know what? This is the way, this is, hey, Lorenzo, Lorenzo, I guess it was your team because you're the one that threw your hands up, so I'm going to say your team. This is the way, this is the way. This is the way your team, this is the way your team learns. This is, you, you, this is learning. 
is learning. Brother Gabriel, Brother Gabriel said it best. He goes, you can tell that these brothers are doing this. And the other brothers are learning how to do this. But praise the Lord, brother and sister. We had a good time. Uh, we, you know, thankfully nobody did get hurt because there's a, that panel up there on the top was the highest panel and they were hanging on ladders and putting feet on people's heads to get balance. So, but God is good. Amen. God bless the kids and the youth this morning. Brother Lorenzo keeps on pointing over there at something. I don't know what he's pointing at. Me? <laughs> you know, brothers and sisters, the title this morning is When the Past, When Your Past Haunts You. Some can say, well, uh-oh. The Halloween this week. Boo. Some of us don't realize that our past is still affecting us. Some of us don't realize that who we were, even if it was years ago, sometimes still comes back. Sentiments. We've had these messages before about speaking to it, going to the root. Sometimes we don't learn that past is going to come back and, and revisit us in different ways. Things They call them trigger points, trigger moments. You know what a trigger point or a trigger moment is? Something in your life that triggers a memory or a thought or an emotion. Whatever it is, there's something there that's going to trigger something. And I'm amazed with this story that we're going to read in the Bible, a very famous one, and how we miss these two individuals, these two brothers, with a lot of history. And we see what God shows us in their lives here. But we're going to turn to Luke 9.62 first. Luke 9.62. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now what's interesting is that Jesus gives a reference to working. But he also gives a reference to plowing ground. You see, in our walk with Christ, our walk isn't just a walk to survive. Our walk is a walk in, a, in working for our salvation. To maintain it so that it's healthy so that we don't allow the devil to come back in, so we don't fail in things that we failed before. And Jesus says here that nobody is suit for the kingdom if they're constantly looking back. And we talked about this on Wednesday in the seasons that we have been in or are in we miss these messages because we continue to murmur. We continue to struggle in things. And we're missing what God is telling us. His powerful word for what you're going through. For what you're going through could be a season that's holding you because of not correcting what's been in your past. And we see here Jesus giving this reference of 
kingdom cannot be given, or it even uses the term fit, for somebody that's constantly looking back. And we say, well, Brother Gabe, well, you're, you're, you're talking about that, you know, our past, and you're kind of bringing up our past, and it's like, no, 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 what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is that we are going through things in our past that come every single day, things that we haven't changed since we met Christ. There should be a lot of things that we've changed, and there is a lot of things that we've changed, but there's some things that we still haven't changed. How many of y'all can think of some things that you still haven't changed? Do we have a real church here? I can think of some things that I still haven't changed and God's still working on me in. So, brother, we see here in Philippians 3.13, Paul saying here to the church, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. This is the key. I love, you see, brothers and sisters, we got to start reading the word and let it activate in our lives. Look what he says. I, 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 I count not myself to have apprehended. You know what he's saying there? He's like, look, 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 I, I, I don't know it all. But... The big butt he puts here. This one thing I do. You see, brothers and sisters, you might not know it all. You might not have it all figured out. But this one thing we have to do. And look what he says here. Keep on reading. Forget those things which are behind. Reach forward to things in front, I'm sorry, and reaching forth unto the things which are in front, amen, are before. You see, brothers and sisters, we stay too much in where we're at or what's behind. But a lot of us ain't reaching forward to what's in front of us. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody or this is making any sense to anybody. It may not make any sense, but it makes sense to me right now. And that's all I care about right now is it making sense to my salvation. You see, brothers and sisters, we've got to understand that where we're at isn't our desire only to be. We've got to stretch forward. Our God has something greater for us, ahead of us. You see, we're so sad because where we're at, we're so sad because of the circumstance and the situation. I've been serving God. I've been coming to church. I've been doing these things. How come this? How come that? It's because you're wanting to be complacent at where you're at. Oh, man. Devil don't like to hear that if we're murmuring or complaining or, or sentimental about something. He wants to justify but God's telling you, don't get happy where you're at. Stretch forth to what's ahead. And I tell you what, brothers and sisters, that right there, I feel Paul creatively said it all, knew it all with that statement. Because that covers a lot. A lot of us struggle 
getting up and we start to think of regrets, moments, sentiments. I don't know who it is. We're so quiet that it's probably all of us. It's okay because there's a word for you today. There's a word for you today, brothers and sisters, that God has sent. We keep on reading here in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, brothers and sisters, if any man be in Christ, if you find yourself not being in Christ, it's because you're looking at the old things. What do you mean, Brother Gabe? Sentiments, the struggles, the past, the anger, who you can't change, and you just think that it's been accepted. Oh, God has accepted me this way. You've got to continuously improve. Come back and look and reflect and say, you know what, I still got to change that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't be like that. I had another message for today. It was inspired by us working together and about respecting each other more and being smarter. I was so, man, I was ready to, you know, I was like, man. <laughs> and when I was studying that, God started showing me that we got to get to the root cause. We got to go to what's deep within us, the hurt that's within us. There's a famous saying, and you hear it a lot with young people, but, you know, when it comes to bullying, but hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that saying before? Maybe. So if you're hurting, you're going to hurt. I started telling me, he was like, look, you're getting down to the, that ain't going to fix the problem. Just telling them this is the way harmony should be. This is the way it should, you should build somebody up. If you're not built up. Like, oh, man, God, well, what do you want me to do then? Because I was ready for that. I was inspired by that. I have good examples of myself being ignorant and saying things. He's like, you got to start getting into the root the problem. Brother Gabriel. So now we enter into the message in Genesis 25. And you find yourself attracted to stories in the Bible when you feel they relate to you in your life. The story in the Bible has related to me in my life once God started showing me And it may relate to a lot of us here in our lives. But here in Genesis 25, we begin to read about the story of Jacob. And I feel Jacob is very relatable to me personally. And we see here Jacob's mom being spoken to. And the Lord said unto her, who was Jacob's mom, everyone? Rachel? No? Who? Sarah? (laughs) And the Lord said unto her, 
Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Now, what's interesting, go back to that verse, brother. Go back. 23. 23. I don't know if Brother Anthony can hear me. Microphone sounds really low, doesn't it? Or does it not? Sounds good now. Look at that. Just the reflective. You go back to verse 23 there, brother. First verse. What's interesting here is that we see God telling the mother of twins, it looks like. What's going on? Because this mother's confused. Well, what's happening? Why is there a war going on inside of me? Why is there a struggle, a battle going on inside of me? How many of you mothers ever questioned God on that with what was happening? I remember seeing the scary hands in my wife's belly or the elbow or the knee, and I'm like, whoa, what in the world is that? And you always remember, you know, are so sweet. Oh, it's because he heard your voice. Ugh. Instantly, a father relates that to, Ugh. because you can see movement. See a mother here asking God, yeah, this is what's happening here is not, man, it's, it's not normal. And God explains, well, look, there's, there's two people here. We go to 24 now. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Verse 25. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called him Esau. Amen? Verse 26. And after that came out his brother, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare him. But listen to this, brothers and sisters. We can see here, the very beginning, God speaking to the mother of Jacob. And we see here God telling her, there's going to be a struggle, there's going to be a battle here. So the mother sometimes has communication with God and understands what's coming. And we start to see here that in the story, and I'll continue to tell it. We don't have to read it. You can read it. It starts here, the story of Jacob, a few chapters on. But we can see here that, of course, the son had the preference of the father because he became a hunter, a provider. And Jacob had the heart of the mother. Mama's favorite. 
doesn't say the reason why, just because he was around her a lot. And we see here him, them growing up, these two. And one became very outdoors, provider for the father and was really the oldest one. And the other one, ambitiously grabbing the heel. <laughs> How funny would that have been to see? Do you imagine that? Not so funny for the ones giving birth, right? You're like, just get them out. If that helped him to get out, I don't care. You know, if he came out by holding his heel, then he came out. But actually, a twin holding on to the heel. And we see here God explaining before this why this was going to be. Now, brothers and sisters, let's turn to Genesis 32. We begin to read. So during this time when we're starting to read, we see here that Jacob has gone through a lot of stuff. Everybody remember the things that Jacob went through? Some of y'all, yeah, remember? He deceived his father. Right? He dressed up like Esau, told his father to bless him. That's not, you know, this wasn't God's plan. God said what it was going to be, but it wasn't God's plan this way. But we see Jacob dressing up like his brother Esau going over there and trying to get his blessing because he traded for a bowl of soup. Esau did. Everybody remember that? Remember he comes back from hunting? Jacob he's like give me some of that please and he's like no give me your birthright and can you imagine how hungry he must have been to give up his blessing we've had messages before in the past where we talk about this how hungry are we when we start to lose what's real to us what's real in our lives how dry how thirsty are we that point where Esau came in from the wilderness And he sold his birthright. So we see here that Jacob does this, deceives his father. Father realizes that he did it. And then Esau realizes what he did. And you got to remember one thing. Let's just, let's just talk about basic nature. You have a guy that's an outdoor hunter, right? And you have a guy that's by his mama. Right, the, if, we're, if we're looking at if this is like a, a, a boxing matchup, and this is the tell of the tape. Outdoor hunter, mama's boy. So, mom tells him, "You better run, because your brother found out about this, and you just need to get as far as you can from here." So, Jacob takes off. Right, Jacob takes off and goes and looks for relatives. And so he goes, and now you see Jacob's story, right? Because he's taken off, and it's already started bad because what he was supposed to get, he ran from. Oh, 
Are we, are, are, do we get this at all? Are we catching some of this already? Or is it a lullaby and you guys are going to sleep already because you're tired? Because God's telling you something here that, that somebody, that there was already a pre-planned, something was already you know, predestined for this individual. God had announced it to the mother, and yet the mother encouraged this. Is there any mothers here encouraging a different way for what God's plan is through their children? Oh, no, not me. No, not not me. No. No, Brother Gabe. No, it's solid. Right on it. You had somebody right here being told from God what was happening, and yet they took it a different route. That their son had to run. Had to run away. They didn't even get a chance to see his family live the rest of their lives. So we see here, so Jacob takes off, right? And then this is what we remember. Remember this message, because see, we all remember the good, you know, the little segment messages. And then he meets, right? And then he meets his future wife. Oh, man, that girl right there, she's got my heart. Ooh. Comes up to her dad, says, hey, like your daughter. And he says, perfect. Work seven years for me. No problem. And he does it, right? And we read this. And he works seven years, and he comes back to the dad, and he goes, done, complete, finished. And he goes, perfect. Here's my daughter. He goes, that's not the one I wanted. Oh, he goes, well, that's not, that's the one that I, that's the deal. What do you mean that's the deal? That's not the one I wanted. You can see now the beginning of Jacob's struggles because of what he did. You imagine Jacob working those seven years, and he's thinking about what he's working for, but he's also thinking about what he did and what he ran from. You know, it's amazing how while you think you're working for something great, you're still remembering things that you did. And you see, I, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where, you're, where we're stuck at in something. But it could be basically what Jacob was going through. But see, there was two coins to this. We also never thought about, I wonder what Esau was going through. Did you ever, have you ever thought about that during this story? Maybe, maybe you have. I never did. Because we see the story of Jacob, we never see the story of Esau. And so we, we see here, so he goes and goes, oh. the dad goes, no, you got to work seven years for, for her. She's, she's my best. She, you know, it's not going to cost you two goats on this one. There's a whole farm. And so what does Jacob do? What any man would do, right? He works seven more years. Right? He probably said, well, you know what? We need to get a contract on this one, and I need to see the details on this. And I want to make sure it's this daughter right here. Sees the contract. He says, we're good. 
So he works seven years and finally gets his wife, right? Of his dreams. But you see, that's not only where the struggle was because now we see he has two wives, two sisters. One of them is able to conceive. And the one he wanted couldn't. Could you imagine that? And the other one's conceiving like it's just you walk by her and she gets pregnant. It's no joke. You read it in the Bible. You'll see it. Read it. The Bible's free to everyone. You guys all have one. And it's crazy. But God's showing Jacob something. And Jacob's constantly struggling. And now we start reading. Because he's got his family together now. And he thinks he's got it all figured out. There's a moment where Jacob thinks he got it all figured out. Some of us might be at that moment right now that we've gotten through the trials and tribulations. We've gotten to a point where we're, we're comfortable and we, thunk, and we think we got it figured out now because I'm comfortable now. I feel, I, feel, I feel comfortable. So now we start reading in chapter 32. So you can read from 25 to 32 if you want to read all that. But we start reading in 32.1. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Listen to this. Verse 2. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of the place Mahananim. Verse 3. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Sir and the country of Edom. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. So now Jacob's like, I'm in a good place in my life. You just heard my story, right? I'm in a good place in my life. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to. It's been, it's been some years. I could just count 14 of them just trying to get my wife. Probably was longer than that. I think I'm going to reach out to my, to my brother. I wonder what Esau's up to. That's been good to me. We keep on reading here. And he commanded... Them saying, thus shall ye speak unto my Lord Esau, thy servant. Oh, listen to his terms now. My Lord Esau. It's a little different, isn't it? From the baby grabbing the heel, huh? This is what, this is what time does to you. This is what a struggle does to you. This is what humbleness does to you is that he went from ambitiously grabbing the heel to now tell my Lord Esau that his servant Jacob. What was God trying to show him in this? I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. So he wanted to send a message out to him saying, here's where I'm at. And listen to what he says, and this is what we do. This is what we do when it's not real. Listen to what I'm telling you. If it's not real and forgiveness isn't real in you, what do you try to do? You try to buy it. We try to fix it with, I got to fix it this way. 
This is his thought process. He hasn't even heard anything back from Esau yet. And he starts saying in his mind, he goes, I have oxen and asses, flocks, and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I might find grace in thy sight. Listen to this. I want to I I make things right with you, bro. It's been too long. But God's been taking care of me. God's blessing me. I'm blessed. I want to make it right now. This is us sometimes, instead of making it right, the right way, and believing that God can make it right, the right way, we start to take it in our own hands. Well, you know what? I'll throw something at it. I'll fix it this way. I'll, 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 I'll cherish them with gifts. So they can forget about who, what I did, who I am. But that's not what God was asking of him. We're going to keep on reading here. Amen. Keep on reading. And the messengers returned to Jacob. Uh-oh. Could you imagine Jacob seeing his messengers and he runs to him and he's like, oh, man, what, 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 did, he say? what did he say? Did he like it? Did he need anything else? Is he happy? Is he happy? You know, I mean, nobody has the new iPhone 10. I sent that with him. He's got to be happy, right? Oh, does he want something else? He wants it in gold instead of the black that I sent? And then we see here, he goes, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau, and also he came to us to meet us, and 400 men with him. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Jacob's like, what? Say what? He wasn't by himself in a lonely tent crying for what I did to him? This wasn't beyond measure of a blessing to him that he just forgot everything and ran and said, oh, my gosh, God answered my prayers. Come to me. Tell my brother that I want to see him. No. Esau had 400 men with him. Now, this sounds like a problem. Now, Jacob's like, oh, man, I got to look at this a little differently now. Because I thought I could buy my way for forgiveness, for grace. I thought I could give my way into forgiveness and grace. And so now we read, and I love this story, and Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Finally, right? All these years pass, and he goes back to the emotion. Listen to me. Listen to me. He goes back to the emotion of what made him run. After all these years, after having all that stuff, some of you guys have so much stuff, so much comfort, and you would run back to an emotion before that. What do you mean, Brother Gabe? I don't understand what you're saying. Some of us are so comfortable compared to what we were that we would run back to an emotion that took us to this comfort. Oh, you're in deep thought. That's why you ain't saying nothing. Amen. I like that. So We have philosophers here. Hmm. Very interesting thing he's saying here. I'm not going to say an amen or hallelujah or agree to any of this, but I am going to process it. This is why I love this story of Jacob. Because it's, it's hardcore real. And it has so many facets, so many different things in it. 
And we see here 400 men that Jacob became afraid like he was when mama said run and he ran. Now we see and we keep on reading. And Jacob was afraid and distressed and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. Verse 8. And said, if Esau come to the one company and kill it. This is where Jacob's at now. Listen to this. I'm going to split. And I'm assuming it was the two wives, right? I'm going to split. He talks about it here in a second. One's going to go here. One's going to go there. At least one of them will survive. <laughs> This is where Jacob's at right now, brothers and sisters. You're telling me that you can't go through thought processes and you don't have to have a camel right now to say, hmm, that's relatable. I feel like a Jacob with having goats now. That's what he went through. And we see here, and he said, if he comes and kills one, the other company which is left shall escape. I'm going to cut my losses here into 50%. Jacob was quite the business guy. That's a very preventative financial move there. I'll move all my resources here. I lose it, I lose it, but at least I still have 50%. I could build off 50%. That's 50% more than I had when I started. We keep on reading here, amen? And Jacob said, Oh, God, my father and Abraham. Oh, is this the first time I'm hearing Jacob reach out to God? Sometimes it's like our heart tells us something to do because we emotionally feel good about it, and we're going to do this because I, I feel this is the right thing to do. But instead of bringing God into the right thing to do, we just start doing it, right? Because this has to be right because God, God says to give. God says to give, so I'm going to give. This is Jacob. Oh, now, no, now, now that it's like a little fearful, he goes, Oh, God, my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, return unto thy country. Now, listen to him. Listen to him. See, I like this because this is who we become quickly when we're afraid. We start to use God's words against him. How many of y'all have done that? We ain't living right. We're murmuring. We're doing all these other things. But we, we have the audacity to say, well, God, you said you would bless me if I did this. We don't do it with all our heart. And we don't do it with the right intentions. Because we're just doing it for a gain, not for a change. And like the message last week, the continuation on Wednesday, when our need outweighs the offering. And the offering is us too. So we read here, and he says, you told me to return into my country and to my people and that I would be fine. I would deal well. I would be fine. What's, what's going on here, God? What's going on here? 400 people are coming at me. About to lose 50%. You said, God. And then we read here, verse 10. And I am not worthy of least of all these mercies. Ah, here we go. Oh, now Jacob's starting to remember those years that he had to wait 
the humbleness, the breaking, all that's coming back because he said to his brother, this is who I am. Oh, listen to this, brothers and sisters. He said to his brother, look it, look it, look at what I got. Look at what I got I can give you. But he just says right here from God, I'm not worthy. Uh-oh, he's remembering something now. I'm not wor- worthy of these mercies. We, we got to remember this. And all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I have passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Verse 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand, can we say, of my enemy. Ah, it sounded so much better, right? No. He says, from the hand of my brother. From the hand, oh, he, he goes even more specific. From the hand of Esau. It's the case, God, you know, we got to get into the details. I need that guy taken care of over there. My brother, you might get confused, and you might think my brother, that it's my church brother, but I'm actually wanting my physical brother Esau over there, 400 people, if you could take care of him, God. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Verse 12. And thou saidest, I will surely do good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. Verse 13. And he lodged there the same night and took of that which came to his hand, a present for Esau, his brother. So brothers and sisters, in this journey that Jacob was taking after running the first time, God was taking him through a journey and showing him things. Showing him how he did things wrong. Humbling him. It's to a point. And we all have this in us. He gets to a point and he then says, I'm doing all right now. I think I can fix my past now. I I think this is why I'm here now, so I can fix my past. So he, he reaches out to his past. And it's, it's so interesting because he had an intent to, to get the forgiveness through gifts instead of just saying, how you doing, brother? I'm sorry. This stuff aside. And we see a Jacob and we see a Joseph. I started thinking a little bit about that. Joseph's life. You know who Joseph's father was? So quiet in here, I can hear you thinking. Jacob. And you see Joseph going through a similar path, but at the end, a different resolve. God was also working in him. And we, we pause here in a moment when Jacob's now reached out to God and said, God, I need your help. I need your help in this. I don't deserve it. Because you're mighty. 
but I need your help right now because I'm afraid. I'm afraid because my past is now in front of me. And instead of remembering what he learned with confronting his past, he went back to his past and ran. I don't know if you've ever found yourself doing that. So he ran from his past, afraid again, assuming that everything was still the same. At the same time, he's seeing everything that God has given him. It's bananas to me. Crazy. So with everything he sees that God has given him, he runs away from his past, thinking that God's not with him. So hey, hey, up there, uh, God of Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, you remember me? All the stuff. Everything that God had blessed him with. And so now, this is my favorite part. This is such a this is such a good chapter. So now we start reading here in 32 of an encounter, amen. We keep on reading here. Back to 13, brother. And he lodged there that same night and took of what came to his hand, a present for Esau, his brother. Look at this. So after saying all that right now, look what the next verse says. So he goes, I am going to up the ante now because I'm afraid. So my first proposal to you, brother, to forgive me were these things. Now look what I've brought. He goes to 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 oos, and 20 rams. Verse 15. 30 milch camels with their colts, 40 kin and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, and 20 fowls. 16. And he delivered them into the hand of his servant. Every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is Jacob right here. This is calculated, brothers and sisters. This is thought out. This is, he's thinking, I'm going to get past this by. Go ahead of me a little bit, and ahead of that a little bit, because what we're going to do is when Esau sees, he'll see one thing, he'll see another thing, and then he'll see me. Jacob's still strategizing, even though he's given it to God's hands. How many of y'all still strategize even after giving it to God's hands? I'm telling you, I love this story. This is me. I find myself inside. We're foolish. 
God is merciful. And we keep on reading here, verse 17. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? <clears throat> and whither goest thou? And whose are these before thee? Verse 18. Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant, Jacob's. It is a present. Listen to this. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the strategy that was happening here? Jacob says, when he comes and asks you, this is the way I need you to deliver the message. This is important. We're going to die. Write it down. Be saying it every day while you're walking that way. This is where Jacob's at right now. And he says, it's a present unto my Lord Esau. And behold, also, he is behind us. Man, he's, he's thinking, man, one wave, two waves, and then me. I'll split them up. So we read here in verse 19. And so he commanded he the second and the third and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau. I just don't want Esau to just keep on getting bombarded with gifts. Because he's got to still hate me. God might have forgave me. God might have blessed me. But he's still got to hate me. And so we see here, on this manner shall ye speak to Esau when ye find him. Verse 20. And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face peradventure. He will accept of me. Listen to that. And I'm hoping with doing all this stuff that he's going to accept me now. That's a lot of stuff. Some of y'all, you, you, guys, you guys got some enemies, but some people you might have, some people that you just, they did you wrong, but if it came at you like this, today, you know, Jacob's thinking, I got, a, I got a fighting chance now if you're just bombarded with things. This is Jacob's mentality, and that's sometimes our mentality. You see here, Jacob struggling with understanding who God was in his life. He could say the words really nicely, O oh God of Abraham, God of my father Isaac, you have told me these things. But yet his actions were still of actions of fear. How many of us with our actions are still actions of fear, even though we know God has been with us, even though we know God has shown up in our lives, we still act out in fear. Are we struggling with this? Is our past making us think that there can't be a place to go forward? to the future. This is why this message is so strong and we keep on reading here. So went the present over before him and himself lodged the night in the company. Verse 22. And he rose up that night. Uh-oh. Not Andrea only getting up at nights. 
Andrea has a good reason, though. Some of us have also gotten up at night because we're stressed out. So he got up. So there's nothing abnormal in this, right? So he got up in the night, and he took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the four Jabbok. Verse 23, listen to this. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over that he had. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. You see, you see, Jacob had done everything himself with his physical resources. But now there was something there to see what was in the inside. Because you ran one time, Jacob, out of fear. And you had to work double for your blessing. And now you're running again out of fear. Do you not know I'm with you? So now that night he wrestles. And it says right here, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day, verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him. So when this person saw that he could not defeat Jacob, that he even touched Jacob on the side and saw his hip. He could feel the inside of his hip because his leg was dislodged. But he was feeling the inside of his hip, it says. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So he knew this person, that this Jacob that he was wrestling with was not going to give up, that he was in pain and still holding on to this person through the night. You can imagine this fight. This was no 15-minute round fight. This was hours and hours of fighting through the breaking of the dawn. Once he realizes that he cannot prevail against Jacob, we read, and he said, let me go. Jacob didn't say this. This individual he was fighting said, let me go. For the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. You see, brothers and sisters, Jacob had to get back to the basics. And Jacob had to become what God wanted him to become from the beginning a leader, a person that understood. But they had to give it all. They had to give their life everything. We see Jacob here in this fight for his life. Holding on to this person. And we see here this moment where this person realizes. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And I always find that interesting. I mean, it's not like you're just 
this isn't a movie where you're there just walking through the woods and they each saw each other and they just start fighting, not even knowing who each other is, right? You would have thought at some point in this fight they would have introduced themselves. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Hey, I'm so-and-so. But after all this fight for all these hours, finally, after Jacob says, I want you to bless me, this person says, what's your name? We could have titled this message today, What's Your Name? Because does your blessing know your name? And it's not about that. That's another message that could be brought up. and It's not about your blessing, but understanding your past. And you see here, and he said, Jacob, Verse 28, and he said, thy name shall be called no more, Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, If you're asked from your blessing what your name is, are you prepared to let everything go from your past? Because you see, Jacob didn't argue the name change because he knew what that name changed. He had just gotten the title of the power of God. And you see, brothers and sisters, some of us are still holding on to our name. We're holding on to our past, not knowing that God has something new for us. This is a, this is a beautiful example here, and we keep on reading and we finish. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, because you prevail. Verse 29. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. Jacob, Terco, isn't he? Terco, Jacob. You know what, though? But I'm Jacob, right? So I'm like thinking, man, I still remember my father-in-law. My father-in-law snuckered me. He made me work twice. You're Jacob, a little, a little bit of experience there. You know, just tell me your name. Because it sounds so good what you're saying to me. I want to know your name. You see, sometimes our past doesn't allow us to believe when God's speaking to us. We start to think, oh, it's going to be like this back then because of who I was. What I was. We've got to start believing that God. We've been, and these, these Wednesday and today's message were for looking, not looking back anymore in the seasons that you've been in. I'm going to start looking forward. We have a God that's a God, forward-thinking God, forward-making God. See, Jacob here, just, just tell me what your name is, and we read here. 
Keep on reading. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Brothers and sisters, I know we got some, man, we got some, we got some good brothers and sisters here. We got some fighters here. Who's a fighter here? Come on. Come on out if you're a fighter. Oh, you stubborn people. Who is? I think everyone here. We've just been fighting for the wrong thing. We've been fighting for things of our past, fighting against things from our past, not fighting for what's ahead of us. And again, this is a beautiful story about Jacob, but this story isn't about Jacob. Because that's an easy story. He knew Jacob deserved a lot of the things that he went through. We still get back because, you know, I'm so glad that Jacob saw the fight in him. To what was he was going to encounter in his brother that he didn't ask him, hey, can, instead of saying, can you tell me your name? Hey, am I going to win? Am I going to win tomorrow? At least he wasn't to that point, right? Because then we would just think, man. Stubborn, Jacob. And so we see here, and we turn to Isaiah 43, 25. You see, we see these messages here in Genesis. And we see prophets coming that were aware of what was happening in Genesis. And we see here Isaiah writing this beautiful text. This prophet writing this text from God saying, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sin. Brothers and sisters, we see here Isaiah prophesizing about Jesus. We don't have to fight Jesus for our blessing. He just wrote it right there. It's there for you. Some of y'all already like setting your alarms for 2 o'clock in the morning. Careful. Be careful, brothers. A sister might right hook you in the middle of the night thinking that you're you're the blessing. No. See, Jesus came. This is the blessings there for you freely. It's there for you. Your past has to be no more. My mercies are new every single day. See, but we still are running away from something until we encounter it. And we don't let it define us anymore. 
It cannot define us. So we go back to, now we turn to Genesis 33, because we're going to finish talking a little bit about Esau. Because Esau was special. Believe it or not, Esau was special. Just because you don't know the story of Esau doesn't mean he wasn't special. Just because multiple chapters in Genesis were about Jacob doesn't mean Esau wasn't special. But some of y'all got to wonder what's going on, what's going to happen, what Esau's going to do. Because he had 400 people with him, and it intimidated Jacob. So we read here in Genesis 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came. And with him, 400 men. And here's where Jacob's like, all right, today is the day. It's been rough. This has been a rough week. It's been really rough. It's been rough years. I got to trust in God. But I'm going to divide my wife over here, Leah, and I'm going to d- divide Rachel over here, my families. And we keep on reading here, verse 2. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph last. So he set him up again. You see, because J- Jacob, Jacob was in a fight, and everybody's thinking, oh, Jacob learned his lesson. Mm. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me indeed. But we see Jacob here still setting up a parade. This is the way it's going to be. What's going on with Jacob? What's happening here? You're not getting it? We read here. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Verse 4. And Esau ran to meet him. Oh, man. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It didn't say if he had anything in his hand. Right? Because you're thinking like, uh uh-oh. So Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. Fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. You know what? That sounds so good just to end it there, doesn't it? The end. I don't like movies like that, Andrea. I'm like, really? It ended right there? And that's not what God wants to show us. Because he wants to show us right here, if we keep on reading, in verse 8. Let's read verse 8. And he said, look at. It took a couple, it took four verses, right? 
because they were crying pretty hard. I want everybody to pay attention. I'm going to talk loud because the kids are coming and all the parents want to goo goo gaga. Let me see your painting and pictures. But you can't miss what God's saying here. So listen to this. So it took four verses, and we get to eight, and look what he said here at eight. Look what Esau tells his brother at eight. He goes, what meanest thou by all this parade? This whole parade that you said. What, what? And he said, these are to find grace in, uh-oh, now he reveals it. This is to find grace in your sight. Of my in the sight of my Lord, because you have four hundred guys with you, and I, it was probably gonna be. I just, I was scared. I don't know how to say it, brother. And this whole time, all these years, all these years, listen to me. All these years that Jacob was going through this and carrying this, and he says, "I sent you this." parade of gifts and look what Esau tells him in verse 9 and Esau said I have enough brother keep that for yourself and I start to think all what I've carried for actions that I've done when the devil's come and told me something when God is taking care of everything. Our God is a mighty God. But Esau said, look, I get it. I don't need it. I'm good. Something healed me. Something took care of me. Something allowed me to forgive. And we know what that something was. Brothers and sisters, ask the musicians to pass on up. We see here in the story of Jacob. who had figured it out was Esau. Esau figured it out. How not to hold on to something. How to not let it define him. Jacob, it took him time. It took him time to figure it out, not to let it define him. How much time has it taken you, is it taking you to not let this thing define you? Is it still defining you? Is it still robbing you? Are you not seeing that your encounter doesn't have to be what you think it's going to be? That you're killing yourself with the doubt that God is with you? How much of it is pride? How much of it is it pride that's not allowing you to your blessing to name you. How much of it is pride, hurt, rebelliousness? Are you speaking differently now? Are you going back to who you were, where it was everybody's fault but your own? 
Jacob had to own it first. Esau owned it already and was blessed. Jacob recently owned it and fought for it. As we find ourselves here this morning, where are we in our walk with God? Because Jacob, it's not like he was young when he fought for this. He was tired. He'd been through a lot. And yet, he was willing to give it all that night. Why don't we all stand up, brothers and sisters? I believe God has spoken to our hearts. I believe God has prepared us this morning with a word, and it might be one that we have to go back to and hear and and listen and pay attention and realize what it was speaking to because we're still echoing in our minds hurt, pain, news that we got. We come here sometimes with news that we get, And it doesn't allow God to speak to what's in us. We're coming like Jacob. God's telling us flat in our face, you're blessed. You got the power of God. And the next day we're dividing our family still. We're not even telling Esau it's because I'm a fool, brother. Brother, I'm a fool. I sent you these things thinking that it was going to take care of our issues. But God showed me. We ask God this morning, whatever our baggage is, whatever our Esau moment is, whatever we've gone through that we're holding on to, that's not going to allow us, it's not allowing us to go to the next level in our walk. We ask God that you first define it. Point it out, God. Because sometimes I'm not smart enough to see it. Sometimes, God, I am not smart enough to see what it is in me. Point it out, God. You speak to me privately, God. If it's waking up in the middle of the night and you told me what it is and you showed me what it is, God, point it out. And second, help me fight. Help me fight to be blessed. Because I need your blessing, God. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. We're asking you, Lord, for more than anything, grace and mercy, Jesus. Understanding and wisdom, Father. We're asking you, God, not to allow circumstances in our lives to define us, Jesus, but that we start to to define the circumstances, Father. We start to determine the outcome. We've been on this journey with you, Jesus, some of us long for a long time, and we're barely getting to this moment, Lord, where we're able to hear clearly, Lord, things that we've held on to, things that we've ran from, Jesus. Regrets, Jesus, are things that we run from. Sin is things that we run from, Jesus. It's things that you've taken from us, God. It's things that you've prepared us for, Jesus. I'm asking you, Father, more than anything that you reveal in us, Lord, what we need, Jesus. Because we don't always have it figured out, Father. We come here sometimes with an offering, Lord, of doubt and a praise of sorrow, Jesus. Not believing 
that you're God, that you're merciful, and that you're going to take me through it, Jesus. If you brought me to it, you'll take me through it, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to see you right now in the wilderness, Jesus, before I can make a decision that's detrimental to my family. Before I look back, Lord, and I've lost it all because I doubted, Lord, the process, the breaking, the Jacob years. My stubbornness, Lord, is before you, Father, right now. I'm asking you, Jesus, to mercifully take me, Father, and just teach me, Jesus. Teach me, Father. Teach me, Father, what I need. Help me, Father, to see you, Jesus. We're here right now, Father, just in need of your grace and mercy, Lord, your love. Pour it down on us, Lord. We also ask, Lord, that you bless the food that was made, Lord. That it's a nourishment to our body, Father. Bless the hands that made it, Lord. Always thinking of the brothers and sisters, Lord, their health. Bless their hands, Lord. Bless their house, Lord. Bless their family, Jesus. That do it with a glad heart, Father. Continue to help us, Lord, to get closer as a church, Lord. Not afraid asking for help, Lord. Not having to take this alone, Jesus taking the risk of losing it all alone, Jesus. Jacob didn't know how to ask others, Lord, how to deal with it, Father. He went straight to fear that almost made him miss the blessing. If he would have ran, Jesus, instead of encountering you that night, I ask, Father, that you bless us, Lord, with the spirit to prevail and trust in you, Lord. We're grateful for your grace, Lord. We're grateful for your love and mercy. But now we ask for your strength and wisdom, Father. In your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Amen.